nail my my colours to the wall, so to speak. This is a really difficult um, sermon, and and uh, I think the way that I, I'm going to present it is um, I'm going to do it like in two halves, really. So um, the first half really is about prayer, and um, prayer. Just for information, there is a prayer meeting on Tuesday. It would be good if people came. But you know one of the first things that Christians do is they don't come to prayer meetings. And isn't it amazing, and some people in the room will, will, will uh, empathise with what I'm going to say. Um, last week we had two uh, prayer requests. One for a very poorly uh, girl that Matt brought. And then we have this connection with Staveley Church... And they've got a poorly uh, child in that congregation as well. And let me tell you something. In those two churches, there'll be a lot of prayer going off. Uh, How much better it would be if we prayed before there was a need? I'm not saying that that would stop any need coming. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. But actually, uh, we, we we can be a bit silly, you know, that actually just relying on God when, the, when we have this need. That's treating him in, in the wrong way. You go to the doctors and you get a negative test result, you start to pray more. Or a friend gets a negative test result or whatever. And, and I'll read you a passage from the Bible, which obviously everyone in this room will find very easy. Just listen to the word of God. It, it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's easy, isn't it? Don't tell lies, you're in church. That's blinking hard, and if not impossible. You know, let's be fair, right? There are some situations in life that we will encounter because of the world we live in that actually the last thing on your mind and my mind is rejoicing. Or is it just me? Are you a lot the Holy Joes and I'm the... the... Come on, look, look, listen to what it says. And it tells us twice, by the way. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Just in case you didn't get the first one. And then he, he, he says a few words, and then he comes up with this pearl of wisdom. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, even if you weren't before you read it, you are now. <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything. <coughs> but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. Don't be anxious. Well, I would suggest to you and I that in the years and days and months ahead, there'll be times when you'll forget those words. They're in your Bible, by the way. You can find them yourself in Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. It sort of sets the scene, really, for where we're going. Let's look at what, what John's Gospel has to say. This is where we left off last week. We left Jesus in Samaria and there's revival and he's having a great time. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. This is a woman who's had five husbands and got a living lover at the moment. Not your ideal church member, but it didn't seem to put Jesus off. He had to go to Samaria. He had to go and have this appointment with her. And he convinces her that he is the Messiah. The saviour of the world. He didn't tell her everything that that 
she'd ever done. He told her some of the things that she was doing and had done, but that was enough to convince her. So when the Samaritans came to him, they, she goes off to the town, tells the townspeople, oh, until that point, we know from the time of day when she's fetching the water, they'd been shunning her, but she goes and seeks them out. <coughs> and basically, they urge him to stay. And I went into some detail last week. Samaritans and Jews do not get on. They really detested each other. And even to this day, there's still animosity between them. So he stays two days. Now notice this. Because of his words, many more became believers. And if you come to this church and you keep coming back, so I'm assuming that you, you like it, most of you, or it's whatever, can't be for the warmth, can it? I tell you often, read your Bible. Read his words. It's that that brings the change. Because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is. Okay. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. This man really is the saviour of the world. Man's greatest need is encapsulated in that statement. He's the only saviour of the world, by the way. It's no good going anywhere else. It's no good going to any other religion. It's no good going to any other place. He is the saviour of the world. Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall for those two days to hear what some of the stuff he must have churned out? Do you notice the absence of miracles mentioned? It doesn't say he healed a load of Samaritans. He said he spent two days with them and he talked to them, and they came to the conclusion that he's the saviour of the world. Do you know, I know, t- I know some of your testimonies. And I know, for example, John's testimony, that actually it was through reading Matthew's Gospel that you reached the conclusion, hang on, this is true. Jesus is the saviour. What a great place to do. I know that actually you listened to the, to the Bible and you came to the conclusion. It's still doing that the thing that it's always meant to do. Go ahead. Well, the, let me tell you something. The Bible is alive. As you change, as you change and develop and change to be more like him, you'll, say, you'll see the same passage and it speaks to you totally different than it did the last time. Heads in the room are nodding. Definitely does. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter how many times you've read it, you will still, as it changes you, get something out of it. It's been doing it all the time. So just to finish the chapter, he's there two days, and he moves on from Samaria. And he's going to Galilee. Let's have a look what happens there. Comes out with this little um, gem. Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country. He's been to Jerusalem. He's upset them there. They've been doing the Passover celebration. He's chased them out. The very thing that they were doing, sacrificing the lamb, the lamb of God was present and they rejected him. Have you ever tried to convince your family that Jesus is the saviour of the world. Do not be surprised if it falls on stony ground. 
Sometimes the very people who should know actually reject it. And you're all in agreement with it. Sometimes, and that often comes to mind. Do you know what? They just you just not recognise as such in in your own circumstances. It might take time as as your testimony develops and as they watch your walk, but it may never happen that you're the one that convinces your family that Jesus is the saviour of the world. So he arrives in Galilee. <coughs> the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done. Seen now. They'd seen him chase out the money, overturn the tables, chase out the money changers, all that he'd done. And we also know from chapter 2 that there were many miracles performed at that time period. It's like the Galileans are the poor kids on the block, those that reside in Jerusalem, they're the upper class. And the Galileans are despised and looked down on by the Judeans. But suddenly, one of their own comes up winning in Jerusalem. And he gets a bit of a hero's welcome. They'd seen all that he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, so they'd also been there. Word has gone out now that their boy has done some dramatic changes. And they're very proud of him. So, once more he visits Cana in Galilee. This is where he turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay ill in Capernaum. Capernaum was about 20 miles, if you look on the map, as the crow flies. 25 miles if you were to walk it. Rough terrain, up and down. So he's 25 miles away by foot power, shall we say. The sun is ill. But his fame has gone out ahead of him. And so this royal official, he must be, most commentators will, will agree with this, that he probably works for Herod Antipas, who's the ruler of that region. And being linked to a king, or he's known as a king, being linked to a king, he's got a certain amount of prestige, probably a certain position in the, ro- in the royal household. He, he'll have a certain amount of wealth, prestige, all these things go in, and none of it matters at all. Suddenly, when someone is that ill, your value system spins on a sixpence. What good's money? What good's anything? So this guy, and this is where we begin our journey, this guy heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, He's obviously heard what's gone off and, and about the miracles. So he's going to go to him and he's begging him to come and heal his son who was close to death. We could say prayer. Because begging includes talking, doesn't it? You all agree on that. Prayer. 25 miles, how long will it take you to walk 25 miles in sandals, in the heat? How long? Yeah, okay. Matt's obviously fitter than you and me. 
He got it in six hours. I'd say it would take you most of the day. You know, I think it's got to, you've got to knock on for a day. I'm going to introduce the word. Persistent. Persistence. If I've spelt it wrong, forgive me. Uh, are we in do, have I spelt it wrong? <laughs> yeah. Passion. Let's introduce another word. In fact, I'll put all four up. Practical. And power. I'm doing the four P's. Five if you count prayer. If you've travelled 25 miles, and I'll go with Neil, let's say it's taken him a day, he's either persistent or it's passion. Let's go with passion. He's passionate for his son and he's seeking help for him. What's Jesus going to say to this man? Well, the guy, the guy's come to him. He wants him to heal his son. His son is close to death. We haven't got time to chat. Come on. He knows he's close to death because he was close to death when he left yesterday. And he's arrived on the scene. Well, that's what he's doing. He's begging him. Yeah. Do you, do you, think, he'll, do you think Jesus will grant the wish? The, the prayer. Yeah? Does he always grant your prayers? So why should he grant this one? Oh, faith. All right, I like this. Faith. I like the old penties. They fall into all my traps. It's all right. Faith. Of course, if I was doing the, if I was doing the, the preach on prayer, I'd have brought that one out. Why, why, why faith, Chris? Go on. Just ignore the seven billion people that are listening. Because he's demonstrated faith, hasn't he? He's, he's walked 25 miles. You're not going to go there unless you believe Jesus can do it. So he's, he's got faith, doesn't he? He's got faith. All right. So I'll put you out of your misery. This is what Jesus does. He can be... that, that doesn't sound like an answer, does it? Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you'll never believe. Sounds a bit harsh. Do you not think? I think it sounds harsh. Unless you see people, you're never going to believe. Do you know, I was telling Kay this morning, and some of you have heard me say this, I once went to a church in Hartlepool, saw a guy called Melvin Bragg. Have you heard of Melvin Bragg? Yeah, Melvin Bragg, I mean, he would be an old man if he's still alive now. Melvin used to go around the country and he had a healing ministry. And my business partner was um, connected to the church in Hartlepool. And he said to me, we, Melvin was there and it was a big crusade meeting and everything and signs and wonders would be there. Do you know, we went to church and I got bored. Everybody was getting healed. And I mean, like, they were coming up in wheelchairs, getting off, running round. Actually, most of them were going that way, to be fair, if I'm looking at the stage. Going down there, running round, and then pushing the same wheelchair back down. 
when you've seen it a dozen times, it's not surprising. And there were, uh, you know, people with all sorts of illnesses going on. And I actually sat at the back of the church and said to my wife, shall we go home? Isn't that dreadful? It's not that bad, Catherine. I wasn't poorly. I only went as a spectator. Yeah, but I'd seen them. I'm being truthful. I did get blase. I, I, I did get blase. It wouldn't have been so bad if some of them didn't get healed. Well, it would have made it slightly more interesting. <coughs> anyway, they got healed. No, but it was. It was. It was a miracle to them. Look, I'm just being truthful. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> no, look, listen, for them it was a good thing. The interesting thing is, the week after, Pete had been to church and we're back working together the following Monday. And I said to him, like, was it buzzing? Was it packed? Were all those people that were healed at church on the Monday? No, they weren't. Small church, small congregation, and none of them came back. None of them came back. And I can even go one step further. In the front of my Bible, I've got a medical uh, doctor's letter saying about how I got healed. My family visited me in hospital. My, my employees visited me in hospital. They saw how poorly I was. Did any of them ever get saved? No. And the doctor's letter, the, the illness is incurable, but I got cured of it. And it just by coincidence was when some guy was praying and talking in church. And, and they, they saw how bad I was. But it, miracles, you know, that's so, so true. Faith built around a miracle actually isn't anything like faith built around the word of God. Anything like the, the word of God. Because what are you going to do when the miracle that you asked for is not actually answered? And I used to be into all this stuff. And I still am into all this stuff. I, 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 I love to see miracles. But once again, my wise wife this morning pointed out to me, the greatest miracle, you know, is changed lives. And as long as we're seeing changed lives... As long as we're seeing people who didn't know Jesus previously come to Christ and receive him as the saviour of the world, I'll take that any day. Do you know, I have never, ever been bored at seeing people get saved. And we should celebrate it. But we're leaving this very delicate... The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. That's his persistence. He's not there to discuss theology with Christ. He's there because he needs something from him. So, verse 50. Go, Jesus responded, your son will live. The man took Jesus as his word and departed. If I was teaching on prayer today, 
What a wonderful thing to write. Take Jesus at his word. Why are you laughing? Ah, right, okay. Not the fact that actually you can take Christ at his word. No. All oh, right, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. That's his email. <coughs> All right, okay. I deserve that. Let, all right, okay, I, I've got the mic. Careful where this goes. Look, do you take Jesus at his word? Do you really? You wouldn't like to sit down with me for half an hour and I'll show you a few areas that you're not. And I can do it to myself, let alone anyone else. Didn't I just read something out at the beginning? Do not be anxious about anything. And you all went, whoa. But actually, that's from Jesus. So we don't always take him at his word. In fact, I would suggest, most of the time, we don't take him at his word. Is that harsh? Most of the time, we prefer to listen to the radio on the way home. Yes, Clive? Sometimes we do. Yeah? Yeah, sometimes. Then we've got amnesia. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's happened. Look, there's been no change whatsoever. All Jesus has done is said to the man, just go. Just go. And, and we will find that the boy is healed, by the way, at that very moment. But he doesn't know the end of the story. He's in the story. You and I might have read it before or, or you might have heard sermons before from the passage. But actually, he doesn't know that. What's he going to do? It's a 25-mile walk back. When he left, the kid was at death's door. Absolutely, Neil. That's not an unreasonable thing to think in that day, 2,000 years ago. I don't know. I'll have a look, shall I? Well, perhaps. I mean, it's, <coughs> it's actually a very great question. But he's not a believer. Bear that in mind. No, no, no. He's, got, he's gone to ask the guy who is known to be doing miracles. doesn't mean he believes in him. He just believes in the miracle. He's totally different. There's a gap that wide. He's believing in something, but it does not... Listen... People can believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. Actually, it says the believers, believe, uh, demons know him. doesn't mean that they actually worship him. Lots of... Well, but the point being is you can believe in something like with, a, with that smaller belief. doesn't make you, mean you're a disciple or, or uh, that you're born again. Lots of people can believe that Jesus walked the earth. Absolutely. Could be any any number of things. Yeah. Yeah. So, who gave you the passage?
Can we come back to that, John? Yeah. Can we come back to it? That's why I put it at the top. I, I would suggest that, uh, um, Mike, that is exactly right. And you do. When you, if you're in that situation, of course you are. You love your child, you're going to try anything that will possibly work. It does not mean, don't read into the text, that he believes that Jesus is the saviour of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's the reason for going. Yeah, yeah. And he's and he's his last roll of the dice, as as Neil said. Perhaps the son is already dead before he gets home. So this this audience, if you like, has happened, and all he said is go. And if I was teaching on prayer, taking Jesus at his word, oh, I'd have you. I would be hooking some of you now. Because of course, if I do it that way. Right? And it all goes wrong. Well, I can say you really didn't take him at his word. Matt got it. Did you hear what I just did? If it all goes wrong, it really wasn't my lack of prayers or whatever, my lack of faith. It's actually you didn't take him at his word. Hmm. (coughs) It's always God's will. But... uh, I know, but we're not being fatalistic. You know, this, this, this man travels 25 miles, he's in desperate need. We'll move it on, but basically, he's taking him at his word. Let me draw a little picture there. So he leaves and he departs Jesus, and while he's on his way, his servants met with him the news that the boy was living. I wonder what that looked like. We know that the man's had to stay a night. So he's gone away from Jesus. It's too late in the day to travel back that day. So he's had to go overnight and then set off the next day. And he sees his servants coming down the road towards him. He's walking back home. What would go through your mind if you saw these guys, your servants, come in? Yeah. yeah, where's your faith? <laughs> yeah, I think I think as a natural thing to do, I think that you, you expected the worst when you left. There's nothing else to base your evidence on. You, you see these people come in, and I think most of us would agree you're probably expecting the worst. You're probably, yeah. His servants met him with the news that his boy was living. Well, he was living when I left, if you like. But now he's living. (coughs) When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. He didn't just get better. It actually left. That must have been some sight. This is going to affect his belief. Move it on. The father realised that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so he and his whole household believed. Coincidence? No. What was it then? 
God incident, right? We can take great uh, comfort from that. One of the things I'd like to suggest is this, that you can come to church or you can get a prayer request sent by, by Stephanie about someone you've never met who could be at the other end of the country. Look, if he can heal from 20 miles away as the bird flies, I suggest he can heal from thousands of miles away. It's great that, isn't it? The, the man thought he had to be there. Clearly, because he said, look, come, twice. Come, come back with me. Do something with my son. You need to be, be there. But actually, Jesus demonstrates that distance is no reason why he can't heal. So when someone comes out to the front and says, will you pray for this baby? Do you know what? Our prayers are valuable. The baby might live in Stamford. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> and we get this little statement. Well, he obviously goes home, tells his family, tells the household what's happened, and they believe. Capernaum, by the way, will become one of his main bases where Jesus himself does the ministry from. And I rather suggest this family will be attending any meeting Jesus is holding. Do you think they're at the prayer meetings? Do you know Jesus did do prayer meetings, don't you? Some of you don't know. Well, anyway, it's in, your, it's in the Bible. Jesus did prayer meetings. I think they would have been up. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. <coughs> What's the reason for the signs? That you may believe. John chapter, chapter 20, verse 31. Believe what? That, that Jesus is the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. Right, you see, if I'd wanted to go down that road, I could have done this. Practical, that's your Philippians 4 verse 6. Right, it's anything Jesus is interested in in your life, you can bring it to him. And the power, Jesus has power over sickness. He's the same today, yesterday and forever. And if I'd have made my little preach all to do with prayer... I could have taken a, a slice out of a circle like that. The problem is, and forgive my drawing, what about the rest of the circle? If the circle represents God's character, you need it all. You need it all. What is God's character? Love, right? Who, who said love? Chris, come on, you're on fire. Love. Let me just expound that. Everything Jesus does, everything, not 98%, everything that Jesus does is motivated by love. Ah. That can be a hard one to take, isn't it? It can be a hard one, and, and, and John has mentioned this. Everything? It's motivated by love. This is well off the scale. We're into this area now. What else is in that area? Fantastic, Neil. Come on, you can come again. Ah, <coughs> we're not having plagiarism. Uh, okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. 
Yeah, yeah. Love and grace. Everything that is coming from him is graceful. Just. Was that yours as well, Tanya's Matt, Nick, that one? Or is that one of his own? <laughs> oh, right, okay. We, we could go on. And uh, Yeah, great. Look, look at those things on there. God is gracious. God is faithful. God is mercy. Yeah. Thanks for reading. It's been up four months. <laughs> yeah, all those things are in there. And when we take something and lift something off the pages of the Bible, you can virtually make it say what you want it to make it say. But you do that at the risk of losing some of these other stuff. So it's, it's, it's good to have a great big understanding of God. It's good to have that filter in your head because he's still those things even though that happens. Watch this. When John writes this gospel, he writes it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and it is set deliberately in a specific order. Up until this point, we're fairly sure it's been chronological. But it's not chronological from verse 1. John is deliberately putting this in for a reason. Sometime later, we don't know how long, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. We don't even know what the festival is. <coughs> it could be the Passover, doesn't tell us. It could be the Feast of Tabernacles. It could be any number of Jewish festivals that are, are happening. We don't know because it's not relevant to the text. All the time he mentions the different festivals, you'll see that he's, John writes about something that happens particular to a festival. But here, the festival's got nothing to do with it. it. Gives us a bit of history. There is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, this is a gate in the northern wall, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five color, covered colonnades. There's been loads of architecture uh, architectural digs they found this site they know where it is there's actually a church very close to this spot I think the church of St Anne or something and uh, a great tourist attraction this is a place that existed move on <coughs> here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind the lame and the paralysed can you see the words great number they're in your Bible as well as mine as well as Song Pro a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame and the paralysed one who was there who was there had been an invalid for 38 years a long time isn't it very long time no wheelchairs by the way 38 years Life expectancy, not that much more than that in those days, in that culture. So most of his life, this guy, probably paralysed, unable to work, unable to function, um, would only have arrived at this spot by being brought there. How might he be getting his living? Begging. Yeah, he doesn't go down and sign on, no JSA or... ESA or any other SA, it's actually begging. 
when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in the condition for a long time, doesn't tell us how he learned, by the way. Probably, the text can, can mean this, probably supernatural knowledge. Probably God the Father telling um, Jesus that this is the one, this 38 years in this condition. What a strange question. Jesus sometimes asks very strange questions. Do you want to get well? What do you think? Do you want to get well? Yeah, you see, that's the interesting thing. Why might not, Chris? This is so true. And this comes from a me- probably from a medical background, or maybe that you've known people. There are some people who just don't want to get well. He actually will ask Bartimaeus in a, in a, in a while, what can I do for you? And Bartimaeus is blind. And I, and I read that text and I think, he's bound to say, I want my eyesight. But he wants to clarify, what do you want? Do you want to get well? Notice this, verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Has anyone ever, have you, has anyone spotted um, the absence of verse 4? Let me just deal with that while I'm remembering. Yeah. Who's, who's Nick verse 4? The Penties? JWs? What do you think's happened to verse 4? Typo error? You're not bothered what happened to verse 4? It's interesting, you know, there is no verse 4, look. Look, 3, 5. I didn't do it, I can't delete it. I'll put you out of your misery. If you look in your Bibles, your Bibles will probably have verse 3, verse 5, and a footnote which says that in the original manuscripts, which is a bit of a play on words because no one has the original manuscripts, but that's what they'll probably say, that actually they think, verse 4, if they include it, and it basically says something like this, that actually the the people were surrounded, surrounded the water, an angel came down, stirred the water, and then people went in and got healed. But it's not there in the oldest manuscripts. I bet it is in the original when they find it. It doesn't really matter, because verse 7 is in every manuscript. So it gets in anyway. There is no doubt verse 7 exists, and I find this amazing. No one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. What on earth is going on? Yeah, but who's stirring the water? Yeah, sorry. All right, okay. Well, thank you for listening. (laughs) Yeah, I did. Uh, Yeah, I slipped out. Okay. Well, at least Chris got it. It would appear, actually, more than appear, this is how it happened. That an angel came down, moved the water, as long as the first one in got made well. Isn't that bizarre? Imagine the angel. What am I doing today, God? Uh, Get down there. Have a little stir of the water. We'll make somebody well. Imagine how frustrating it is for all the others. Imagine spending your life waiting for an angel to stir the waters. 
as your only hope. Wow. And it must be true, by the way. Else why have we got a lot of people around a pool waiting for something? It's got to have been happening. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the text is implying that. Ah, we'll see to both of you. (coughs) While I'm trying to get in, which would imply he wants to get healed, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Let me tell you something. Let's go back to my my pee. Does the man laying at the side of a pool waiting for an angel know who's talking to him? Oh, Chris. Oh. Oh, that that, that sort of took the wind out my my motivating if you've got faith, then everything can, is all right. Oh, um, has he has he got any passion for Jesus? He doesn't know who he is. If he knew who he, if he if he knows who he's talking to, he wouldn't call him sir. What would he call him? Lord. Oh, um, does he believe a guy? who can just turn around I mean I can say these words you know get up and walk to, an, to somebody I can go down to the hospital in Chesterfield or, or Sheffield or wherever and say them that's not going to make the guy get up is it? Well, well I don't have any it's, look I don't need it they would look at you gone out yeah yeah so what about persistence? I would suggest he doesn't have that he does in, in believing in an angel. Not in Christ, he doesn't. He doesn't believe that he can answer the practicalities of his own life. And he certainly doesn't believe Jesus has any power. No, no, he believes the angel. He's there, he's there for an appointment to try and get into the water. But he doesn't know that it's working for him. Look, it's a crowded place, loads of disabled people, blind. Well, answer me this one. And this is where it gets a bit naughty. What about all the other people? Well, come on, let's be fair. Let, this is the beauty about going through a book of the Bible, because it raises all sorts of issues. Can, can the creator of the universe walk past people who need healing? Clearly he can. He did it. Look, at that moment in time, Jesus Christ walked through a crowd of people, with this, by the way, knowing he could make them well. Having the power to make everyone well. And yet he did not do that. You can see why sometimes, 
you know, some sermons are easier than others. Some sermons, are, you've got the good news, you know, and, you, and you, can, you can fire it out. But this raises all sorts of issues, all sorts of issues that actually, sometimes we prefer not even to visit in our thinking. But this gives you balance. This gives us some insight. Because it's still these words, it's still what is on the board. <coughs> Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. If the guy's not walked for 38 years, what's his, I mean, come on Chris, you've been a nurse, what is his muscle tone like? Doesn't have any. Yeah. There wouldn't have been any physio in those days, right? So he's, he's atrophied, yeah? It, it just, yeah. He might have probably been been ill from a child. I would suggest he might even need to learn to walk again. Uh, but when this man, who he does not know, by the way, when this man says to him, get up, the only possible explanation is he knows something's happened. Isn't he? When I got healed, I felt the healing happen. It, like, slammed into me. I knew what I knew. Something was happening outside of my control, and I knew I was ma- being made well. And it didn't matter. And I've said said it before in this in this church. It didn't matter what illness I had. Listen, it encountered God, and it was going to be made well. That must be happening there. That the that the guy on the floor, probably looking up at this strange man who's picked him out in a crowd of people has suddenly said these words, but not only has he said them, something is happening in the guy to make them. And it's not faith. It's not faith. It's definitely power. They're all wanting to be well. That's why they're all there. But lots of people want to be well. Well, you know, we, we, we come out with this stuff, don't we? Let's have a look. At once, so not over two weeks or three weeks or whatever, at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Wow. We'll have some of that, Lord, in this church, and then everyone out there will be flocking in. Well, actually, there won't be, actually. Yeah, 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 there won't be. I've proved that at Hartlepool. Because that's what was happening in Hartlepool. On a bigger scale, actually. Melvin Bragg wouldn't have walked past, not Mel Bragg, Melvin Banks wouldn't have walked, walked past all these people. He'd have been praying for them all. The man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Now this is the purpose behind what John is trying to tell us. He's going to introduce a clash now with, with the religious rulers. So the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry a mat. These are cheerful folks, aren't they? Eh? Let's not hope we haven't got any in church today. Fancy seeing this guy get made well. And all you can come up with that. Do you know the wrong, by the way? The law doesn't forbid you to carry a mat on the Sabbath. The law prohibits you working on the Sabbath. And actually, if your job wasn't a mat carrier, you weren't working. You were perfectly entitled to carry it. 
But what these guys had done is they invented 39 rules to get round the commandments so that they could then decide who was working on the Sabbath. Jesus hadn't broken the law at all. He came to fulfil the law. Oh, relig- I hate religious people, don't you? Oh, I really do. They get round up my nose. Well, they always find something. But he replied, the man who made me well, he doesn't even know his name. He doesn't know who's made him well. The man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? (coughs) The man who was healed had no idea who it was. Can't be faith then. Can't be this then. He doesn't know he's met Jesus. He's just met a man. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Jesus found him the first time. Jesus found you the first time. And he comes again. And he'll keep coming. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See you are well again. That would indicate there was a time in his life that he wasn't ill. Right? We don't know what's gone off, but we get a little clue here. See you are well again, stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Now then, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. What's he saying there? What can we infer from that comment? Could die. That's my D. Could die. Well, there's only two things in life that's guaranteed. (laughs) So we'll have that one as well. (laughs) But let's deal with the sin issue. Has the sin caused the man's illness? Yeah, yeah, you see. Now, the inference in that text is that you were originally ill because of something that you did. So we need to clarify that. <coughs> no, he couldn't. He, he said, well, you're saying stop sinning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think if you look at the original, it's, it's, the NIV have got it slightly muddled. But, it, but the inference is that the sin caused the illness. The belief on that day was it was always that. We'll get to John chapter 9 and Jesus will deal with that issue. But there are, there are clear evidence that actually a lifestyle of sin can shorten your life. A lifestyle of sin can trigger in illness. But let me balance that. That's not always the case. People who are not in a lifestyle of sin, who are not making any bad choices, who are trying their best to walk the talk, still get ill. That's the world we live in. But there, you, you do have to realise, and you can see it in Corinthians when they're taking communion, some of you have fallen asleep because you've actually been kept in, not fallen asleep during the sermon, God, and fallen asleep 
during the communion service, right, that, that actually a lifestyle of deliberate sin can trigger illness. And do you know where it can today? <coughs> yeah. Yeah, what's mercy? What is mercy? Not getting what you deserve. God is always gracious. God is always merciful. And some people, you are dead right. Some people... <laughs> yeah, could have been, yeah, you are 100% right. Actually, you'd think that they, that they would reap what they sow in that sense. But the point being is, look, Catherine said it. What's worse? And it's death. The ultimate leveller is death. But we started with a comment, Jesus is the saviour of the world. Who is he the saviour of, though? Everyone? Ah. Yes. But not all people... Not all people... Accept. Hell is a real place. You, you realise that, don't you? Correct. 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 And you accept the cross. Can I be and answer your question, John, from the front? I know I, I talked before. Before, where is Toby? See, Toby, John and Rosa's son, died tragically. Listen to what I'm saying. Lots of prayer. A dad who prayed and believed in scriptures. Right? Not that they'd done anything wrong. Dreadful things happen to good people. This is the world that you were in. But, just prior to his death, you phoned me. You told me, that Toby had accepted Christ. Not because Toby knew he was ill, by the way. That, that wasn't the reason why Toby did it. Toby was travelling back from hospital and shared and was a believer. And something worse may happen to you. You can't say That there was no prayer, that it wasn't persistent prayer, that it wasn't passionate prayer. We held all night prayer vigil for, for Toby. That John and Rose never brought the issues to, to the prayer meeting, or that Jesus lacked any power. And you can't offer any explanation. And it hurts like whatever. But Jesus is the saviour of the world.
and I am 100% 100% knowing where Toby is thank you Matt thank you. just two seconds no you see what I wrote on here Matt's reminded me your son will live Matt's just pointed it out. That's why I wrote it on the top and then forgot it. I've got such a, a lousy memory. Your son will live, brackets, forever. Yeah, well, it's not Lazarus, but... but it, yeah, but... We'll leave it here because, look, this is a really delicate subject. Always, John. The Bible knows death is sleep. Because, it's the missing. The missing. But not the end. And, and everyone, you know, I mean, you mentioned Lazarus, you know, great, but he still died again. Yeah. And I wonder when he brought him back, whether he said, what you brought him back for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, hello, like, what are you up for? Yeah. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. To die is gain. Well, but, but that, that's the point. Do we believe this stuff? We don't have all the answers. It's not baby stuff. I don't like baby stuff where you can muster up and make things and twist his arm around his, around his back and everything. That just, that's just that's pie in the sky. That's real life. All our prayers are not answered how we want them answered. That's the reality. And you know what? Just coming to church with that knowledge is a step of faith. Just picking up your Bible and believing in God and and trusting in Him actually is growth. It's easy when I get everything I want, isn't it? Yeah, there's a demonstration, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not real life. No. But if you go back to the beginning, when he actually said the words, unless you keep seeing these things, you never believe. Your faith actually comes out of that book. Your faith comes out of your walk with God. And that's got to include that book. It's got to include reading the scriptures, believing them, not making them say something that we need them to say that week, but actually knowing, actually God's still in control. We'll end with you, Clive. It is a journey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
We can we we can do all those things, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. 